I realize I'm not the big deal this morning, uh, that there are bigger things to do. I'm going to share a little bit from God's Word. So why don't you turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. And this morning, uh, I, I want you to uh, think through, if you will, um, what it is. Uh, uh, some, of, you know, some of us here today, we are people uh, that um, we have our own ideas. Some of you are uh, Germans like myself or Dutch even, maybe worse, um, or your contractors or your engineers or your firemen. And you always have a better idea uh, when you look at what somebody else is doing and you say, ah, they didn't really do it the right way. <laughs> I had a better idea. They should have asked me. They should have asked me. And when it comes to the plan of God, I think maybe the, the plan of God to save the world, it's probably one of the greatest examples of that, uh, where people from the beginning of the time where Jesus came uh, they struggled with the idea of the plan. Why would God do it this way? And I want to tell you, as Jesus came to the earth, and in other ways, God's plan working out was the same, but Jesus, uh, he turned the world upside down. Or maybe the idea of turning the world right side up. Uh, Jesus was the one who made things different. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you from Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 5, down through verse 8. And God's word says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. God, we ask your blessing on our time, both uh, in your word right now and as the kids come forward and share the great story of your son being born. God, we ask that you would stir our hearts and cause us to walk faithfully, be drawn to you even in, in these times. If there are any here that don't know uh, that their sins are forgiven because of what Jesus did, I pray that even today that you would do the work in them. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for guiding and directing us. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So this passage, uh, this passage, this specific passage is a very uh, uh, famous and quoted and uh, thought of passage in the New Testament. Caleb preached on it maybe a month and a half, two months ago. Uh, it, it's, a, it's, it's a very important passage when it comes to how to live. And it, it shows Jesus as our example, our example of how to live in humility. But this morning, as we look at this passage we're not going to look just at the example. In fact, the example is going to be kind of pushed aside, even though that is definitely a part of this passage. But we're going to look at the theological importance of what Christ did on our behalf. And, and I want to say this, that this is the humility of Christ, or uh, others have referred to it as the 
humiliation of Christ. And uh, if I would ask for a show of hands, I think we all know what humiliation is, right? We've done it to ourselves. Some of us do it hourly. Uh, we think of different ways to humiliate ourselves. We don't try to, but it just so happens, you know. Um, but this is uh, the humiliation of Christ. And it, it shakes, a, and it's confusing to us to think about that Christ would be humiliated, but also that Christ would be humble, the King of Kings. But for us this morning, it's very important for us to acknowledge what Christ did in coming to this earth. You see, as we look at Philippians 2, we see that he was humbled by simply becoming a man. Humbled simply becoming a man. In Philippians 2, it says, uh, it talks about this idea of being the form of God, being God, being God, and then becoming man. The picture is that God... Uh, the father in his plan sent his son fully God to earth and coming to earth is a stooping down, not just because heaven is above earth, but because of how heaven is and how uh, Jesus was in heaven now coming to earth. Some have suggested, and I think it's a probably an accurate picture to some degree it's the idea of finding that stagnant pond of murky water, of the smell and the, the, the muck that is in the water, and the, the idea of a diver going into this disgusting, murky, dark, filthy water and diving down and diving down to the bottom and finding that and retrieving that which is in the midst of the filth. And bringing it up out of. And that's the picture of Jesus, what he did. He came down. He came down. And so as you think of the humiliation or the humility of Christ, I want you to first and foremost get the picture is that Jesus coming to this earth was an incredible downgrade of his location. It, it was an incredible stooping down for a reason. So first, as you think of the humility of Christ, it's him becoming a man. Secondly, in Isaiah 53, 2, uh, I would say this, the humility of Christ becoming a common man, a common man. When you think of, uh, we think of this all the time when you think of kids and you say, what would you want to be if you could be anything? And they go, well, I would want to be this, or I'd want to be a king, or I'd want to be president, or I, I would want to be Superman, or something like that. I would put myself in a situation that I am not in. But as you look at the story of Jesus, even depicted this morning, as best we can with kids and, and our time and place in the sanctuary here, uh, we look at this and, and know this, that everything about his birth, apart from that which was miraculous, was common. In the book of Isaiah 53, in a section well known as the pro prophecy regarding uh, who Jesus was going to become, Isaiah 53, 2 says, For he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. 
Know this, that if Jesus came in this morning by physical appearance, by he would just be like one of us, a common man. Though not common, being the form of God coming down, he is not common, but yet he came and humbled himself to be like us, common men. Thirdly, I'd say this, and the humility of Christ as he came to this earth, we see him in Mark chapter 10, verse 45. It's also spoken of, as we read earlier in Philippians chapter 2, but, but this is the, this hard-to-gain humiliation, step down. What had he stepped down to do? He came as a servant man, a servant man. And that's hard to imagine, isn't it? That he would take on the form. If he could come and be anything and do anything, why be a servant? And yet that's what Jesus did in Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 45. It says, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. I could go on and on about this, but this picture uh, of being a servant is a big deal. And I love it that Christ came down and he was willing to take on that picture or that, that, that uh, place of a servant among his peers, among his people, among mankind. But what kind of service did he perform? It says he came not to be served, but to serve. And to do what? To give his life. Give his life. Most of you go to a job. Some of you are tired of going to that job, so you retired from that job and you don't work anymore. At least not get paid for it. You were a servant at your job for a time, right? And you reminded, you know, it was after hours, I'm not doing that. It's up to a point I will serve. Jesus served, Jesus served to the point of death. His humility went so far as to take on the form, not of God King, to everyone to worship him and everyone to serve him, but he took on a common man form to serve and to serve in such a way that he would give his life a ransom for many. We look at this and we see Jesus as a servant man. Number four, I would say this in Mark chapter 15, verse 27. We realize, and this is the crucifixion as he comes to go to the cross. This is part of the plan of God. Uh, I think it's so important. I've talked about this before that when you look at the life of Christ, Christ was in control. He was working out the Father's plan. It wasn't that there happened to be Roman soldiers that were more powerful than him. That he, It was all part of the plan of God worked out in his son. And what kind of death did he have? Crucified as a cross. We looked at that already. But in verse 27, it says this. And when with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. So the picture of Christ on the cross, you have a robber on the left, robber on the right, your left, my right, whatever. Uh, we, we look at that right in the middle, there's the third one. And what you see are the criminals dying. 
We think of uh, noble deaths, and sometimes we think of that, and uh, we think of people protecting others and uh, taking a bullet, and then afterward, and then afterward, after the person dies, we treat them as a hero because of the way they died. But as you look at uh, what Jesus did, a common person who would have walked along the road that day and seen the crucifixion, he would have said, ah, oh, the criminals. Criminal's death. You see, um, most of us aren't willing to look foolish. We aren't willing to be embarrassed. We aren't willing to have even injustice. You, You say, well, would you stand there? He says, I'm not standing with those people. Would you go there? No, no, no. I don't want to look embarrassed. I don't want to wear the T-shirt. I don't want to wear the uniform. But as you look at the humility of Christ, he was willing to die, but not just to die, but die on a cross, a cross sort of death in the midst of criminals being counted among them as criminal. Jesus showed his humility by taking the criminal's death. And lastly, you see the humility of Jesus by coming as a baby, coming as a baby. In Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 10. And, and this is uh, that great passage where he goes to, to uh, the shepherds and he's telling of a scene that they will see, that they will go to. This is the reason uh, the angels come and he says, I want to tell you about something, that you will go to see this scene. And they did. But this is the scene that they were going to go to. The angel said to them, verse 10, Luke chapter 2, verse 10, the angel said to them, fear not, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of uh, David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling claws and lying in a manger. Jesus in his entrance or his incarnation is, is Uh, revealing himself to this world, did it as a baby in a manger. That his humility was even in his entrance, in his first look uh, for this world, for their first look at Jesus. You see this baby laying helpless, needing to be fed and protected and raised. This was Jesus in his humiliation. So why? Why? I wouldn't have written the story that way. I wouldn't have had that plan. I, I would have had it, you know, and, and arrogantly to say and privately to say, I would have made a better plan. I would have done it differently. Why? Why did Jesus come like this in humility? I just say it to you like this. It was the plan of the Father. The plan of the Father that this is the way he would save the world. Jesus did the will of the Father. Why he came and came this way, why he went to the cross, is the will of the Father. The purpose of the Father was to save the world. To save the world. To save individual people like you and me from the guilt of our own sins. And I want to say it this way this morning, because it's very important for us to understand where we are right now, what this day is all about, 
why we're here at church, why there are kids here, why there are old people here, why there are middle-agers struggling to figure out who they are. Why are we here today? Well, this is the plan of the Father was worked out in the Son, Jesus. And he lived a perfect, sinless life, and then he died on the cross for sinners so that we could be saved from our sins. You, where you're sitting. Because Jesus is the answer for you to save you. I want to say this, though, too, to save your kids, to save your kids. Your kids need Jesus. Your grandkids need Jesus. It's the most important thing in this life. There's no security unless you know Jesus. You should fear every day if you don't know that your sins are forgiven because of Jesus. Why did Jesus come in this way? There's another verse. You may have heard it before. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is why Jesus came. It was the will of the Father worked out in the Son. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of being with your people and uh, for the excitement of what we are about to hear. God, help us to honor you. Help us to fill our role. Help us to see Jesus in his humility. And though the world does not acknowledge that we would see him as our king, the king of kings. God, thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for what you've done for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Enjoy hearing the story of Jesus.